Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and the development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We are still in 1967. In fact, the comic we are covering today was published on the 19th of December, 1967. So it's Christmas time. Yay. Get on your Santa hat, stick up some fairy lights, stick on Bing Crosby, get in the mood. Mm -hmm. Things are a bit sparse as far as Justice Society appearances at this time. You know, the, the purple patch that we had of everyone turning up and showcasing Brave and the Bold and regular guest appearances in The Flash and other GL book, they're kind of starting to kind of peter out slightly. So we're taking this time to sort of poke around the corners of the DC multiverse and see what else is happening. So as I say, the comic we're doing today was published in December 1967 and it is issue 30 of The Metal Men. Hooray! Mm. Now, Pete, when did you first encounter The Metal Men? I think the first Metal Men story I ever read was probably one of my favourite stories of all time which is uh, in a Brave and Bold issue. It was a 100-page giant. I think it was issue oh, 113. Right. Yes. And it was Metal Men teaming up with Batman. Basically, a new mayor comes into town and decides that Commissioner Gordon's too old, so he retires him, and Batman's going, oh, Jim, it's okay, you had a good run, that's fine. And then the mayor also says, and you're retired as well, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> to which Batman does his best Mr. Brody impression, saying, but I'm in my prime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But of course, the mayor has got a replacement for Batman, and that's the Metal Men. Oh my goodness, I've read that one. Now I think about it, oh, yeah, I've got that. I've got it's, 100 pages, obviously. Yeah, it's fantastic. But basically, there's then a, a siege at Wayne Tower. It's basically diehard with Batman and the Metal Men in Wayne wow. Tower. It's fantastic, and it's wow. ridiculous, and it makes no sense, and I love it to bits. Interesting. So yeah, that was uh, 1974, I think it was. Right. Funnily enough, it's a, a Bob Haney and Jim Aparo story, so is there any wonder of that? I love it, it's great. I'm I've been trying to think when I first encountered the Metal Men clearly, and I think it might have been an advertisement for the team-up issue of Action Comics they appeared in when John Byrne was doing it. Ah, of course, yeah. After you know the, the post-crisis sort of relaunch and reboot mm -hmm. of everything. I can't say I'm a massive fan. I don't have a huge collection. Even, you know, I've talked in the past on the podcast about having had good runs of certain titles that I got rid of and all that sort of stuff, but... I don't think I ever had anything Metal Men at all. They, I mean, I've got all their Brave and Bold, well, most of their Brave and Bold and all their DC Comics Presents. And, you know, I've got the 1993 miniseries, etc. Mm -hmm. You know, they're obviously, they were in Panic in the Sky, so I'm aware of them. But I, honestly, I could probably count on one hand the number of Metal Men stories I've actually read. Gosh. I know. Gosh. We're talking about the Metal Men. Does everyone know who the Metal Men are, what the Metal Men are, etc.? Pizzi, do you want to fill us in? Yeah, the Metal Men, it's a, such a great conceit. It's a great idea for kids. Basically, there's this scientist called Dr. Will Magnus, mm. who in his first appearance is actually called Doc Evans. Oh, well, there you go. Interesting. But I think that's, that's been corrected for reprints, I believe. Interesting. Uh, a bit like the Earth 2 references in Flash of Two Worlds and stuff right. like that. Yeah. They, they were added for reprints, not, mm. not in the original. Yes, Doc Evans, he was originally named. But Dr. Will Magnus, pipe-smoking 1950s American scientist, your classic, classic hero scientist. He creates a device called a responsometer, mm. which basically gives personality and life to metals. Uh, so he creates this these robots made out of different metals. Okay. The responsometer actually comes in a couple of a couple of issues into the storyline. They kind of semi retcon that as saying that's how the the metal men have their personalities, because mm -hmm. originally they just 
really seem to be robots, but the other personality comes from the sponsometers. And basically, you've got gold, you have platinum, lead, iron, mercury, and tin. Sapphire, silver, and steel. Indeed, yes. <laughs> and then Nameless is another character who's added to the lineup. She's basically Tin's girlfriend, but she's an actual robot robot right, uh, okay. that Tin builds. So, so do they all have their own individual responsometers? They do, and that's right. that's the thing. is uh, It was the, the trope and the standards for Metal Man stories that one of them or many of them would be destroyed in the course of a story. Gosh. But as long as the responsometer survived, then they could just be recreated right. again. Okay. Wow. Fully formed. Wow. And it was great. So has much there, fun. Has there been an, an archive or an omnibus or a collection of old stuff? Yeah, there's uh, been a few showcase and there are two DC Comics archive volumes, obviously, that they're all long out of print. Oh, really? I didn't even yeah. know. Gosh, that shows how much, how little attention I've given them. <laughs> no, because, I mean, it does sound, from what you're saying, it does sound very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm bound to have a few stories reprinted here and there. Mm-hmm. One of my favourite appearances of the Metal Men is probably in the epic saga that was 52, the weekly series from DC. Oh, of course. Where Will Magnus was on Oolong Island, or Mad Scientist Island as I like to call it. Right, and oh, yeah. he made a, a mini version involved. of that. Yeah, yeah. aye. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was fantastic. But yeah, great, great fun idea. Basically, it's, it's almost like a chemistry lesson mm. for kids. The history of the creation basically is Bob Kaniger had this idea and basically over the course of a weekend, fleshed it out and wrote the first Metal Man story. <laughs> All just came together. Kanagar again. Kanagar. Kanagar. Of course. And they're great. It's just, as I said, a really fun science lesson adventure story for kids. They're almost one-note personalities, the robots, the actual Metal Men themselves, but they're, they're lots of fun. I mean, Gold is the heroic leader. Iron's the dependable, strong guy. Lead's kind of like the slightly dumb, thick guy who's, mm. who's always there. Tina, or Platinum, is totally in love with Doc Magnus. And Mercury is one of my favourites. He's the hothead. He's always saying, Hey, Doc, don't you know I'm the only metal that's liquid at room temperature? <laughs> Which, incidentally, he isn't. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. It's uh, great stuff. And Tin, with the inferiority complex, uh, quite often stuttering and, and everything. It's, again, just really great ideas. Personalities yeah. come from what you think the elements would be. It's, yeah. it's really smart. I can really imagine clever. working really well as like a cartoon series or something Absolutely, like that. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that they can all combine into some... Yeah, giant. they could quite a kind of Voltron-y kind of way in which they all combine together to make giant machines, sometimes right. to fight their bad guys like Kemo, who is basically a big giant living jar of chemical waste. Mm-hmm. Again, another one of my favourite baddies. I'm familiar with them, yeah, I've seen them. Because they, I, pre- I think they're involved in the, the aforementioned action comics mm-hmm. team up, aren't they? Uh, yeah. I remember that colour. I'm sure I've got that issue by now. Uh, there was also uh, the Missile Men. Heard of them, uh, yes. Yeah, they were, that's... A really, really mm-hmm. ridiculous, fun story. The Missile Man story. Yep. Doc Magnus had ha- has had his run in with some mental illness problems and has turned evil sometimes and created adversaries or replacements of the Metal Men who have gone evil, like the Gas Gang. Okay. So yeah, there's lots of great stuff. There's lots of fun to have the Metal Men. At some point later on in the run, they officially die and go out on disguise as humans, and it's it's really just not the same. It's just really weird. It takes the fun away from the whole thing. But all these series from DC from the 60s that you kind of forget about, like Black Hawk, Challengers, Metal Men, they're all great. There's always great stuff in them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm so glad we get a chance to cover one of these yes. because there is a valid reason why we're covering it. Yeah, so we should probably talk about the cover now because that will reveal why we're doing issue 30. So, PCG, what tells about the cover to issue 30 of Metal Men? Oh, it's highly dramatic. Yes. Highly dramatic. We have the Metal Men and they're all looking shocked and in mourning, 
because... Gold looks like he's crying. Gold is crying. Yes. Uh, Mercury's hiding his eyes. Tin is, is shaking and is being consoled by Nameless. Mm -hmm. Iron's just steadfastly looking away. Lead has a comforting hand up on Gold's shoulder. They're both tearful. Yeah. But right at the front, Platinum has got tears streaming down her face because she's cradling, cradling the corpse of yes. Dr. Will Magnus. Cradling his head and... Tears are flowing. I mean, the tears is is interesting. So, I mean, they have emotions then. Is that part of the responsometer? Yes, uh-huh. Mm, okay. It's obviously, right. they're all kind of, as I said, they're all sort of one-note personalities, but mm. they work so well. But yes, they do have emotions. Yeah. It's quite a striking cover. The, the logo's in a nice bright red, which contrasts against the, the yellow background, mm -hmm. and they're all separate colours. There's a nice big caption box at the top above the logo. Yes. It says, Flash Bulletin. Doc Magnus dies before the terrors of the Forbidden Dimension. Yes. We're on a trip to another dimension, listeners, which is why we're, we're using this one. It gives an excuse for Pizzi to talk about the Metal Men, and it's a fun and exciting little story. So yes. here we go. The cover by Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito, who we've talked about quite a lot recently. Yeah, they did a massive run of Metal Men, and that's, that's one of the reasons why it's so good, mm. is the artwork is just so outstanding, isn't it? So there's no artist or writer credits in the opening splash panel as we head into the comic itself, but Mike's credits it to Otto Binder and Gil Kane. So our opening splash panel, we have a orange Metal Men logo. There's a bright red sky, and there's a large robotic machine rolling over tin and nameless. It has a big spiky tail. It's operating a sort of roller. There's a big long neck. It looks like a kind of robotic dragon with a wheel. There's sort of hooked arms at the front with little spikes that are coming off. We see that iron is being struck down by one of them. Lead is trying to hold the thing back, gold and platinum, and what looks like mercury, but instead of being red, he's green. Gosh. They're all sort of trying to cower away, and we have a little bit of a text box that says, You'll groan, you'll moan, just as the metal men do when you see Doc Magnus dead. You'll thrill, you'll chill, when you join the rambunctious robots in a weird new world. And you'll quake, you'll shake, when they tackle three terrible tasks and meet the terrors of the Forbidden Dimension. Wowza. So, we'll kick off this. Yes, you can tell this is Gil Kane. Look at panel two of page two straight away. That's phenomenal. Right, so, top of page two. The opening caption sets the scene. At his immense lab complex, Doc Magnus comes up with another fabulous invention. Yep, we see Doc and the assembled metal men standing before a big contraption that has a screen on it, which shows what looks like planets, and it looks like a bit of a big atom sort of nucleus on mm -hmm. the screen. It's, Doc is wearing a white coat as opposed to the usual houndstooth check jacket that I think we're all maybe more familiar with. He's gesturing towards the screen, and he's saying to the metal men, My dimension monitor shows scenes from the many parallel worlds that exist invisibly around us. I'm ready to turn on the dimension doorway attachment and explore those unknown places. Platinum replies, Isn't it wonderful? He makes my responsometer go thump-thump like a human heart. And then Mercury contributes, It only really goes click-click like a mechanical relay, which it is, Tina. Captioning for panel two. Suddenly... And there's a giant sound effect as a burst of what looks like electricity bursts from the, the new machine, from the dimension monitor, and catches Doc. Doc exclaims, the main electrodyne blew out. Ah! And Tin says, Doc, uh, you alright? And Led says, You can see he's hurt bad, Tin. That was a powerful blast of radiation. We'll check him out in the metal recovery room. 
Shortly, as the unique metal men utilize their remarkable powers to change portions of their bodies. Yes, we see Doc laid out on a bed, and Gold is manipulating his arm into... Well, he tells us, actually, quite helpfully. This is serious. My hand mirror isn't fogged. No breath. Yes, because he's holding his hand mirror over Doc's mouth. Mercury looks very concerned. He's standing next to Gold and he exclaims, His temperature is dropping fast. He's turning ice cold. And Iron is holding a syringe and he says, Even a shot of adrenaline didn't revive him. Standing at the front, holding onto Doc's hand, looking very, very upset, Platinum says, And no pulse. Doc! Doc! Oh, you don't mean he... he... Gold continues in the next panel. Yes, Tina. He's dead. Oh, no! So, Doc meant everything to me. Maybe some of the marvellous, life-saving devices he invented for hospitals can snatch him from death. Try them all, Gold. Hurry! Top of page three, the first caption says, Sober minutes later. We see Doc lying stretched out. Nameless and Tin in the corner of the first panel. Nameless says, They tried everything, Tin. And nothing revived him, Nameless. Gold looks very downcast. He's holding what looks like a gas mask. They must have tried to give him some oxygen, I imagine, using this hospital equipment. And the very downcast Gold then says, Hopeless. Choke. I'll have to announce to the world that Doc Magnus passed on to the great laboratory in the sky. The caption for panel two. But Tina, the platinum girl, refuses to give up, impelled by her great affection for the scientist. Yeah, we see Tina pointing off camera at this point, and she's saying, No! No! We must save Doc somehow! Wait! That monitor screen! Maybe we can find a cure for Doc in another dimension! Gold says, Hmm. A desperate idea, Tina, but who knows? We'll check Doc's blueprint and fix his monitor. He also mentioned a dimension doorway we could use. Slow fade, the caption for panel three of page three says, After the ingenious robots make repairs. This panel shows Gold operating some equipment and behind him, with Tin and Nameless standing in front of it, there's a sort of purple circle surrounded by a burst of golden energy. The dialogue helpfully explains what's happening. Gold is saying, There. That I mentioned monitors working, and that tunnel of radiation must be the doorway Doc meant. We'll carry Doc's body through it and look for an elixir of life. And so as Tin and Nameless look into this doorway, which is opened in thin air, Nameless says, What a scary-looking place, Tin, but I won't be afraid with you around. Thanks, beautiful. But I'm never a hero among the metal men. I'm too soft and weak to perform big feats. Later, a solemn procession marches through the strange dimension doorway, leaving Earth. We see all the metal men with lead, gold, mercury and iron, and tin, carrying Doc along on a sort of covered stretcher. Platinum's leading the way. It looks like they're walking down a little tunnel, really. And Platinum says from the front, Follow me! We'll look for Doc's anti-radiation cure in a hundred other dimensions, if need be. And Mercury says, Hey, have a heart, Tina! And then Iron contributes, she has no heart, but just a mechanical relay, Mercury, remember? Besides, we all want Doc back alive, so no effort is too great. Caption of the final panel of page three says, As they step through into an alien world. Yep, we can see the little dimensional tunnel to the right of the panel. Everyone's emerged. They've laid down the covered casket stretcher thing that Doc Magnus is in. 
Weird Alien Sky, sort of pink. There's a big, what looks like an all-green sort of rainbow stretching over mm. them. Is that another planet, an orange planet behind them? Is that the yellow sun? They're all emerging. And Mercury observes. Hey, some of us changed here. Gold, you've turned into copper. And lead is shiny instead of dull. Yep, so we see that gold indeed has a slightly different shade. Lead looks a lot lighter than he did previously. And in Platinum points out, because Mercury has turned green. And she says... Look at yourself, Mercury, but that should be your natural colour. You know, you've always been green with envy over gold being our leader. Oh, a bit of tension there. So over the page then, top of page four, Mercury kicks at a stone on the ground and says, Huh, just the kind of square joke you'd expect from a metal dame. Oops, look, when I kicked a stone, my foot burst into globules. I'm brittle here instead of liquid. Yeah, we can see that where his foot was, there's bubbles just sort of bursting out. It's very strange. Mercury sat down in the next panel, he's reattaching the bubbles into his foot, and he looks very annoyed, and he's saying, Well, if I could reform my liquid globules after flying apart, I could easily put my foot together and make it stick. Gold! Uh, copper! Where do we go from here? Huh? Why are you pointing at your mouth? Yeah, and we see gold, or copper, gesturing with a finger, pointing at his gob, and in the background, Iron observes and says, Wait, I get it. Gold means that beside turning coppery, he lost his speech. He can't talk in this crazy dimension. Mercury looks delighted in the next panel, doesn't he? Yes. Um, I don't like Mercury already. <laughs> He's saying in this panel, Aha! Uh -huh. How can a leader who can't talk give orders? Come on, Lincoln Penny, appoint a new headman. I won't influence you. And as he said all this, he's pushing his way forward past the others, elbowing Lead in the face. Lead looks very annoyed and says, No, except for shoving us all aside. In the next panel, Gold points at Mercury and is thinking, In all fairness, it has to be Mercury. Mercury looks delighted and says, Yahoo! It's about time my great talents were recognised. Call me leader from now on and... Huh? And he's been lifted up by Iron who says, Call it Mercury, Greenie. If you dance with joy, we might have to take along your brittle pieces and a bushel basket. Start leading, leader. Some of the other robots have picked up Doc's casket, carrying it along. Mercury's marching along the front saying, this away, my metal crew, follow the banner of your brave, brilliant, bold, boisterous, brainy, bustling... And Iron cuts in with... Boasting, bragging, bombastic leader. What a ham. Also in this panel, as they start moving off, well, Platinum very helpfully points out what's happening. She says, Oh, heavens! A sudden meteorite shower! Dark's glass case will be smashed! We can see a whole bunch of rocks flying through in front of them. Iron transforms himself very helpfully and says, I can still form myself into a steel umbrella and shield Doc's glass coffin. Sheltering underneath we see platinum, gold, stroke copper, nameless and tin. And tin says, If only I could be like iron, the strong metal, and avert danger. <laughs> Listen, I'm not stuttering in this dimension. And nameless clasps her hand and says, No matter what you are, tin, you're an iron man to me. Oh. I'm not stuttering either. Caption for panel two. Another startling surprise occurs. Yes, this looks very painful. Iron, uh, well, he says. Well, what's this? These meteor stones are piercing me. Then I changed two into a soft metal. Oh. And we see the meteorites actually puncturing holes in Iron's surface. Oh dear, I wonder if it's painful. Underneath Iron, we can see Nameless and Tin. Nameless is saying, But you and me, Tin, we've turned into hard metal. See, the stones only bounce off mm, us. Sure enough, they do. Stones bouncing off. 
The caption for panel three of page five says, And Humbleton, now in his glory, finishes Iron's job. Tin has turned himself into a large metal tube, and we can see the meteorites firing down from the red sky, bouncing off. From inside the tube of tin, Nameless says, Tin formed a protective covering and stopped the hail of stones, and none of you has to pity us anymore in this dimension. To which Iron says, It's all Cookville. Tin is now our metal Samson. Copper gold is tongue-tied, and Mercury is our leader. Wonder if any changes came over lead, besides turning shiny. And Tina. And in the caption, helpfully says, Lead soon finds out. Yeah, because we see lead being cast up into the air. He looks very surprised. Mercury comments, That gust of wind blew lead away like a balloon. And as he's floating up in the air, lead says, Why, I've turned from a heavy metal into a featherweight. We see that Nameless and Tin are now bearing the weight of Doc because Tin is saying, Nameless and I can carry Doc's case alone. Okay, so they're now strong as. Brilliant. Over the page now to page six, and we see that gold stroke copper is reaching up into the air to try and stop lead from floating off. And as he does this, gold stroke copper is thinking, Maybe I can't talk and lead the party here, but at least I can stretch my arm. Copper is malleable too. And catch lead before he floats away like a thistle. Gold's arms have got long and stretchy. He's coiled his hands and he's resting all that around Lead's legs to keep him from floating off. And Lead says, Thanks, Copper, Gold. I, I was heading for the wild blue yonder before you stopped me. In panel two, there's a caption that says, Suddenly, Tina gets the shock of her platinum life when... See, Tina's stepping into what looks like a... You know, very carelessly, actually, if you ask me. I wouldn't have done it without maybe checking what it was. Is she stepped into a pool and we can see there are flames forming around her feet. Tina exclaims, Pearls of burning rain in this queer dimensional world! Help! I've got a hot foot! My feet are on fire! Mercury and Iron rush up behind with Mercury saying, Crazy! On Earth things are heated in platinum crucibles because platinum is a high melting point. Here, Tina is combustible. Iron says, She'll be a pile of platinum ash unless... I see what you mean about it being educational. Yes. It's putting me in mind of something else where a character just proclaims what their qualities and properties are. It's a bit like Flash Facts. <laughs> yeah. What if Flash Facts was a comic about metal? Anyway, Iron has come up with a plan. And the caption for panel three says, Iron, now a soft metal, swiftly flattens himself into a carpet. Yep. He stretched himself out, so he now, very heroically and gallantly, covers the pool. Almost like a little tiny mini bridge, really. Mm -hmm. And he's saying to Tina, I don't mind you wiping your feet on me, Tina. Tina's now free and safe from the pool. She's standing on iron. We can see that her feet are cooling down and she says, Thank you, sir. Iron Walter Raleigh. Nobody can say you're soft in the head. That was quick thinking. So, she's standing up now. The next panel, final panel of page six. Mercury, who I still don't like, says, Well, now we know the score. I've turned green and I'm brittle. Tina, looking down at her feet, says, I can burn up and I don't mean getting mad. Iron, who's pulling his head into a weird shape, says, Me? I'm soft and flabby instead of iron hard. Background lead is jumping around, bouncing around, having a great time, and he exclaims, Besides being shiny, I'm lighter than a feather. And we see that Tin, nameless, is still bearing Doc's body in his casket, and Tin says, I'll talk for Gaul to a speechless and turn copper-coloured, and he's no longer our leader. <laughs> and nameless concludes this little <laughs> panel and says, Tin and I are strong metals, the opposite of what we were on Earth. It's a very useful panel there. I might put that on, on the socials. Yes. Top of page seven. It's a change of theory now. Finally reaching signs of civilization and using telepathic speech. Yes, bit of a jump. Now, 
There's a large orange structure in the background, some kind of fancy space city, and we see gold, stroke copper and mercury, talking to a couple of aliens. Now the aliens have a sort of very pale pinkish purple skin, they have very large round dark eyes, wide mouths in this panel. They're wearing blue armour which looks very Kirby-esque if you ask me, but also reminds me of some of the the designs that we saw in the Prince Power story, Jim yes, uh -huh. Green Lantern 45. They also remind me a little bit of Kanjar Row. I was going to say exactly I the same thing. I thought you would say there we are. in many ways we have the same <laughs> mind. There are obviously guards who are standing outside this city or this building. And the lead one is having a conversation with Mercury. Halt, strangers! What seek you from King Diamond? Mercury replies. We hope to find a cure for the radiation death that struck Doc Magnus, a great Earth scientist. Take us to your royal leader. And then the caption for panel two says, After King Diamond, here's the story. Yes, so the king of this lot, he wears a slightly different angled hat from the guards outside. He's reclining on a large red throne, and the metal men have brought Doc's casket inside. We can see that a couple of aliens are looking at him. The king comments, My royal physicians will examine the corpse and see what we can do. Yes, I'm enjoying the ponderous style dialogue that's been given to the alien scientists here, the alien doctors, because one of them is basically saying, Hmm, 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 hmm. <laughs> really, how interesting. Yes, Tina and the rest of the metal men are standing watching. Tina's clasping her hands and obviously concerned. She's saying, Oh, please, sirs, you must find a way to bring him back to life. Caption for panel three says, Moments later, Gold overhears a nefarious scheme. Yes, we see Gold lurking surreptitiously in the background as one of the aliens confides in the king. Gold is thinking, I can't talk, but I seem to have super keen telepathy hearing. I can overhear what the doctor and king are whispering from a distance. And it smells. Yes, the alien doctor is leaning in and saying, Sire, we have no cure. And the king replies, Quiet! Let those strange beings think we have it. Then they'll do anything I ask. Yes, metal men from Earth. We have the cure for your dead master. But you will have to earn it by doing three tasks. Now in the background, Gold has obviously overheard this. and is trying to alert Mercury. And he's thinking, no, no, don't listen to him, Mercury. Oh, I can't communicate telepathically with my own band in this dimension. Mercury kind of elbows Gold to shush him, saying, Stop trying to be the leader again, Gold. I'm boss now. Get back. Okay, sire. What are the three tasks? The king replies, Number one, defeat the Mechan monster. Number two, find the lost treasure. And number three, solve the riddle of the mad maze and rescue my daughter the princess. Gosh, we're going on a quest. Mm -hmm. Right, the caption for the final panel of page seven says, Leaving the body of Doc Magnus in the palace. Metal men are obviously on their way. And we see Gold looking very concerned at the front. Tina stretching up, looking very happy in the middle. And at the back of the panel is Mercury, gesturing and saying, The king said the mecha monster is this way. Let's go. And Tina says, Only three tasks to do, then Doc will be restored to life. And Gold, stroke Copper, is thinking, Little does she know that we were hoodwinked and that we're going on a hopeless job. I don't understand why he doesn't just, like, mime stop to them all and then perhaps right on the ground, right in the sand. You would think. Yeah, you would think. Anyway, <laughs> so, over the page then to page eight, and we have a caption that says, Shortly. Ah, yes. Now, 
you remember the weird-looking machine dragon who we described from the opening splash page, he has arrived with a giant roar sound effect. We're out on a sort of desert plateau. And Ion says, That must be the Mechan monster. And then Mercury says, Now we know what the beast's name means. It's a mechanical monster made of metal, like we are. And then page eight, which is only half page, is rounded out with a caption that says, End of part one. Part two of Terrors of the Forbidden Dimension continues on the second page following, with more fantastic surprises. So, the opposite page, we have an advertisement for issue 76 of Brave and the Bold, which proclaims, Why Batman? Why Plastic Man? Why this odd joining of the Caped Crusader and the Pliable Pretzel? Another great team-up in the Brave and the Bold, and you won't be surprised, I'm sure listeners, to know that we'll be covering that issue in our very next episode. So, over the page, there's a tiny little caption that says, Part 2 of the Metal Men in Terrors Terrors of the the Forbidden forbidden Dimension. Dimension. Straight back into the action then. The sort of rolling wheel that we described from the splash panel of the Mechon Monsters rolling over some of the Metal Men. We can see Mercury poking out and he says, We're getting... And then Tin continues, Flattened like... And Tina concludes, Pancakes! Yep, we're all stretched and trying to get away. Caption for panel 2 of page 9. But this is not disaster to the unique robots. Yes, the wheel is rolling along. We can see that lead has been caught in it now as well. And Mercury's almost about to, to go under. But at the front, what looks like, from the way it's been coloured, gold and copper, who we've established can't speak and can only communicate by telepathy, appears to be saying, This is nothing. I can flatten myself to a sheet only four millionths of an inch thick. And lead says... Our responsometers will quickly adjust us to normal. Well, Mercury, how do we defeat that Moa monster? Speak up! Mercury says... Ah, uh, uh, um... And then he looks a little panicked in the next panel and says... How should I know? Being the leader is no fun when the fate of all of us is at stake. My mind is a blank. I'll pass my authority along. Who wants to be leader? And we see Mercury ducking out of the way of one of the hook arms of the Mechon monster. He continues in the next panel. Who wants to be leader? Iron, lead, tin. Oh, come on, take over somebody, please, please. And lead says, Not me, Mercury, no thanks. And then another figure who I'm guessing has to be iron, but he's been miscolored as gold copper. And I think it's probably supposed to have been iron in panel two as well, just given the response here. Iron then says, You're stuck, green boy. Having fun? And then Tina says, You can't pass the buck to me, a girl, either. And you can't fire yourself. Well, that's Platinum doing huge amount of work there for female equality, isn't she? Well, she is quite a caricature. Yes. Shakes fist. I guess it goes back to what we were saying about the Lois Lane stories and all that. Mm-hmm. And the way they were portraying women and yeah. the messages they were sending at the kids. And now at the top of page 10, and in close-up, Mercury looks almost deranged as he says in response to Tina. Fire? Fire! Ah, that gives me an idea. We'll fight fire with fire by alloying ourselves together into another big machine. And they have combined into sort of, looks like a big cannon. Lead is at the base, iron's in the middle, mercury's a big part of it. Platinum and gold are formed aside with gold shaping part of himself into a cannon. We can see it sort of looks like a, a, a cannon from the front face of lead as well. Tin is carrying this combination. As it bursts forward, mercury continues... Now we can battle the Mechan monster on equal terms. Smart, your leader has brains, computer center that is, to spare. We'll ram that crazy monster and knock him silly. Ready, set, go! And the caption for panel three simply says, Then... And there is a massive sound effect that says, Crang!
So yes, final panel of page 10 shows that that hasn't worked. Essentially being swatted away by one of the arms of the Mechon monster, all falling to the ground. Tin says, Yow! Just who's being knocked silly? Platinum says, That was a silly idea! And Iron says, You're a good leader, Mercury. Good for nothing. As they all fall to the ground, <laughs> Mercury's the first to face plant straight onto the ground, and he says, If that's the way you feel, I hereby resign as leader. Amazing. Over the page to the top of page 11. As the unique robots take over on their own. Yes, so we see lead and iron have merged together here. Lead says, Being now shiny, I can form a mirror to focus the sun's hot rays. Aim me, iron. And we see here that basically lead has slotted himself into a sort of brace shape that iron has taken on. And we see that the gold sunlight reflecting up towards the Mechon monster. And iron says, Right, lead. There. The scorching melted one of its derrick arms. The Derrick Arms is a lovely pub in Camden. <laughs> it that is. I would, I would highly recommend. Yes, I think that's the pub where Reg from Menswear first met Alistair from Menswear. Gosh. That's where they had their first meeting and, Indeed. Wrote, and wrote the lyrics to their big hit, Ground Zero. Yeah. There we are. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. So yes, the sunlight is reflecting off of the bright, shiny mirror that Lead has become. And we can see that the arm of the Mechan Monster is melting. So then the caption for panel 2 of page 11 says, Tin and Nameless also merge and ram the metal monster. Tin is saying, I'm going to form a ramrod, Nameless. That's using your head, Tin. Yep, Nameless is forming the wheels and Tin has taken the sort of battering ram and they've just collided with the Mekon monster. We can see it bursting. It's a big concussive blast at the back of it. Caption for the next panel. Gold Copper does his bit. Yes, we see Gold Stroke Copper stretching her out into big long thin bands. One part of him is stretched up into the sky. Another part of himself is attaching to the arm of the Mekon monster. And he's thinking, Copper is a great conductor of electricity. So by forming a long lightning rod up toward a black cloud, I gave that nut and bolt beast a high voltage shock. Yep, we see the electricity arcing all around it. And it's obviously not in a good time. There's bits and bolts and springs flying everywhere. Now at the top of page 12. Even Mercury rejoins the metal band as... We see Mercury, and this is quite creepy actually to my eyes. There's bits of his arm breaking off and flying towards and striking the Mekon monster. Now that everyone else has done all the hard work. Uh, Mercury says, My globules are riddling the monster. Or what's left of it. And by the way, I've decided to be the leader again. <laughs> He's the worst, isn't he? <laughs> Platinum is also in this panel and she remarks, And take the credit too, now that the monster is defeated. Oh well... Somebody has to be boss. The metal men return to the king's palace with the monster's body. Yeah, this is great because Iron's basically transformed himself into a giant bin, <laughs> almost on, on legs, and he's tipping the bits of the Mechon monster out in front of the king. And Iron says as he does so, The remains of the Mechon monster, sire. Task one is done. The king proclaims, Amazing! Then he continues in the next panel. He's holding a little scroll up to the metal men and he says, So... You're ready for task two, finding the fabulous lost treasure. Here's a map which might help you. Mercury's saying, Thanks, we'll find it. We want to earn the cure for Doc. Page 12 finishes with a nice close-up shot of gold looking very pensive, as he thinks. But there is no cure, and I still can't talk, and keep the metal men from performing another big task for nothing. Now, top of page 13. Outside the palace, tormented by his terrible secret, Gold has an inspiration. Gold is scratching in the sand with a stick. He's trying to restrain Mercury to get him to see what he's doing. Gold is thinking, If I can't talk, I can still write. I'll scratch a message in the dirt and warn Mercury. 
But Mercury is just dismissing Gold completely and saying, I know what you're <laughs> writing, Gold. You're sorry you lost the leadership and you want it back. Forget it. Why is no one else saying, hang on, Mercury, this might be important? I don't know. So, the caption then for the final panel of page 13 says, Following the map through the wilderness, the treasure hunters meet a dilemma. This is some gorgeous Gil Kane art, it must be said. Mm -hmm. He's doing a great job of rendering the alien landscape here. Very helpfully, Mercury tells us what they've come across. A deep white gorge! We can't cross it! And Tin says to Nameless, Come on, beautiful! Time for us to save the day again! Let's play... Bridge! Surely you need four people for bridge. That's a joke I don't even understand. Top of page 14, caption for the first panel says, The tin robots form themselves into a bridge, and... They do! It looks very like one that you would get in Glasgow nowadays, very mm -hmm. modern. Um, they take the form of the bridge, and the others start moving forward. Ion says, I used to pull these big jobs, now it's tin and nameless who get the glory. And in the shape of the bridge, now one half of the bridge, Tin says, Isn't it great to be heroes for a change, beautiful? Let's make the most of it before we return to Earth, where we'll just be hunks of tin again. Oh. Caption for panel 2 of page 14 says, When they come to a dark mountain tunnel, the platinum robot discovers she shines. Yes, that's almost a bit of a narrative leap. They're inside a very odd-looking tunnel that reminds me of some of the artwork from one of the 70s Doctor Who annuals for some reason. They're in this tunnel, Platinum is glowing in front, so that's obviously another slightly different aspect to their powers that this dimension is affecting them. At the back of the panel, Lead says, Tina, you're as good as a torch! Mercury says, That fits. She's always carrying the torch for Doc Magnus. Suddenly, another obstacle. And we can see they're surrounded by trees. Platinum's at the front of this panel and she remarks, This forest grew up across the treasure trail, obstructing our vision. How can we find the next landmark? A huge stone arrow? Which way can it be? See that Mercury's looking at the scroll in the background, obviously, for the map. And a caption name for the final panel, page 14, says, Led now uses his new abilities to solve the situation by... And then Mercury even more helpfully tells us, In this dimension, Led can form himself into a lightweight balloon to float us into the air. And that's exactly what's happened. Led has taken the form of a balloon, rearing up, and Ion has taken the form of the basket. And Ion helpfully points out... I hope you will all be comfortable in this soft iron basket I formed for the rest of you to ride in. Top of page 15 now. We see them all floating along in the weird lead-iron balloon combination and we can see on the side of a mountain there's a very handy giant white arrow and indeed Nameless points out Look, there's a stone arrow! Which prompts Mercury to say Swing out, lead! And from up above, lead says Aye aye, Mercury! And then in the next panel we see the balloons swooping This is a creep. Lead looks Lead really suits being a balloon. The balloon is sort of descending, and from inside the basket, Mercury says, Follow the arrow! Right, and at the foreground of the panel we can see that the arrow is almost pointing to a little flight of stone steps. So there's obviously a path through these mountains. Caption them for the next panel. Following the winding trail beyond the stone arrow, the metal men meet another baffling riddle. Gosh, well what else can we see? There's a large, massive rainbow arcing over them. And as Mercury walks towards the rainbow he says, the map says follow the rainbow, but how? It's like following smoke. And then Mercury walks into the rainbow, and because he's now brittle, his head breaks off. This prompts Tina to say, Don't lose your head, Mercury. Oh, I just did. This thing is solid. Caption for the next panel. After Mercury's head is replaced. Yes, we see them all walking along the rainbow. Very, um... Asgardian. Yes, that's the word I was struggling <laughs> for. I was going to say like something out of Thor. So Mercury's out in front with the map, Tina behind him, gold, copper, iron and lead, with Nameless and Tin bringing up the back. And Tin is saying, This is like a bridge across the sky. 
and at the end of the rainbow will be the pot of gold, the treasure. Forgive me for talking so much, but it's a pleasure not to stutter. You've obviously reached the end of the rainbow by the next panel. The caption says, At a spot marked X, Tin turns himself into a shovel, and... Yes, I get the feeling that there's been a huge amount of like, editing as we go. There's this intro, <laughs> yes. you know, that whole bit with the, the tunnel and Tina shining in the forest, you know. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this was originally planned to be even longer. It's very unevenly paced, I think. Yeah. So yes, Tin has turned himself into a shovel, as Pete just said, and Nameless starts using him to dig a hole. Tin says, Dig me, beautiful. Just think, Tin. Together we'll uncover the treasure chest. Now we're at the top of page 16. But to the metal band's dismay... It looks now as if they've dug a very, very deep hole <laughs> because Tin is standing with a big pile of soil on the top of his head and he's looking up at the others and he says, I've dug up just about the whole country, but no treasure chest. And Ion is leaning down, remarks, What gives? We've got to find it or we'll never get the cure for Doc. If only Gold were our leader and could talk, he'd solve this riddle. So for panel two, it's obvious that Tin and, and Nameless must have got themselves out of this hole because Gold is shown drawing and writing on the ground in the sand of a stick. He tried to do earlier on, and Gold stroke copper is thinking, I will solve this problem with a drawing. Tin, turn into an axe. And the next panel, Tin has done so. He's turned into an axe, little legs at the top. Some weird planets and moon type stuff going on in the background of these panels that look really, really trippy. So Tin, in the shape of an axe, proclaims, I get it! Gold wants me to form an axe. Yeah. And then what? We see Gold gesturing towards this weird alien tree. Tin says, Gold is pointing at this tree, way up here. He wants me to chop into it, I guess. Swing me, beautiful. He says to Nameless this time, and Nameless, with a zunk, thumps Tin the axe into the tree trunk, saying, Consider yourself swung. Yeah, and the rest of them are all pointing, observing what's going on. Mercury scratching his head, looking very perfuddled. Over the page, top of page 17. As the hard tin axe splits the tree. Yep, we see bits of bark splintering everywhere. And in panel two, a very handy-looking treasure chest falls out of the tree, lands on the ground in front of Nameless and Tin. Mercury says, The treasure chest! But what was it doing up in that tree if it was buried in the ground long ago? Tina says, Wait, I know! Doc Magnus once said that the roots of growing trees sometimes get entangled with rocks in the ground. Then the rock, or another object, embedded within the trunk, is hoisted up into the growing tree. Gold must have remembered that too. Returning to the palace. Yep, see them all marching along the corridor. Mercury carrying the treasure chest. And Iron is saying, The whole palace and grounds are loaded with silver, gold and precious jewels. How could a small treasure chest like this be worth anything to the king? Something's wrong here. Mercury says, Maybe something more valuable is in the chest. Wonder what it could be. The king unlocks the chest, and to the metal men's amazement... Yep, the Kanjaro-looking king has the case open. Iron tells us what he's holding in his hands. It's loaded with worthless clay bricks. And the king says, Worthless, my good man. Oh, robot. Clay is the rarest thing in our world. This is a fabulous fortune mine. All mine! Gold stands with his arms folded in the background, thinking, Twice we metal men were hoodwinked into performing the king's tasks, and after we do the third, Doc will still stay dead forever. A caption box rounds out that panel, saying, End of part two. Part three of the metal men in Terrors of the Forbidden Dimension continues on the second page following. So we arrive at the top of page 19. We have a tiny little scribble caption that says, Part three, the metal men in Terrors, Terrors of, of the, the Forbidden, forbidden dimension. dimension. 
Yes, and you can see that Doc is lying in his casket, you know, cradling his chin, the other metal men standing around. The king has an arm in the air as he addresses them, and he's saying, Now for task number three, metal men, rescuing my daughter, the princess, from the mad maze. And Tina says, Then the king will give us the elixir cure. Oh, Doc, you'll come alive again. And a pensive gold in the foreground of this panel strokes his chin and thinks, No, he won't. What a terrible heartbreak awaits Tina. I'm getting really frustrated with this because Go should just be going, no, no, miming, stop. Perhaps their personalities have changed in this other dimension well, as well. Well, that's a point. Mm. Maybe his confidence has been damaged and he doesn't feel, yeah, yep. because obviously Tin is feeling a lot happier. Yeah. So the caption for panel two of page 19 says, as the deceived robots follow the king's directions. Yep, they're outside on the alien landscape again. You see them all marching up towards what looks like the, the entrance to a cave. Mercury's at the front and he's saying, Here's the entrance to the mad maze. After knocking off tasks one and two with ease, this one won't stop us. And that's it for page 19. We're over the page onto page 20. And it's a full page panel, which is very unusual in a story at this point in time. It's not unwelcome. It looks terrific. Caption then for the whole of page 20 says, But within the twisting passages are many maddening optical illusions, and soon the metal men are completely confused. Yes, that's a horrible narrative leap. I don't like that at all. We've gone from them being in the sand, approaching the entrance to a cave, to them basically standing in what looks like a very... Fancy hall of mirrors mm. and floating all around them, sort of reflected in the fragmented, sort of mirrored surfaces. There's distorted close ups of their, their faces. And Ion says, Lead, I see a hundred mirror images of you. Where are you? There's a large floating lead head, basically, or his face, and there's another one behind him, and one behind that, stretching out behind, and echoing from this giant lead is a voice that says, Mercury's in front of Lead, and he remarks, I like looking at myself, but not a hundred different times. As you say, they're all reflected around as a giant Mercury just to the, to the right of where Mercury's standing. Platinum remarks, We're all getting separated from each other. So there's nothing really to show us that. Maybe mm -hmm. what happens in the next couple of pages will tell us. So we're now at the top of page 21, and we see Tin being confronted by a series of reflective images of Nameless. And one of the Nameless reflections says, where are you, Tin? Listen to me. I'm stuttering now because I'm scared. And Tin says, Coming, beautiful. Ow! There's a concussive burst in front of him because he's obviously collided with one of the reflections. He continues, I only ran into a glass wall. The next panel is dominated by Platinum and Mercury. Tina is saying, Mercury, I'm getting dizzy. Which is you and which is me? Our images are all tangled up. Lead us out of this. Yeah, we see that one of the reflections essentially has Tina's head on top of Mercury's body and in the upper half of Mercury's body over the lower half of Tina's body. Mercury replies, Don't ask for miracles, Tina. No wonder the king said people have been lost in this mad maze and never came out. Meanwhile, Gold uses the keen wits that earned him former leadership. You see Gold stretching along with his eyes shut, crucially, and he's thinking, By keeping my eyes closed is the answer. Shutting out these crazy images. Now I can simply grope my way through the maze, at the same time borrowing a trick from Tina and trailing myself out as thin wire. Yep, and over the page to page 22, which is another full page panel, and shows Gold stretching out with various floating versions of himself behind it he can't see because he's got his eyes shut and they've all got their eyes shut as well and as he's floating along stretching along he's thinking seems like i've trailed out miles of wire already which will end first the mad maze or me gosh we have a caption in for the first panel at the top of page 23 
At last. Yep, and Gold has managed to stretch himself all the way out the other end of the maze onto this very Gilkane looking alien landscape. He's starting to coil himself in and he's thinking, Ah, the end of the maze. I'm out. Now to jiggle my wire so the others will notice and follow it. And we're back inside the maze in the next panel. We're with Iron and he has spied the coiling thread that Gold has left behind and he's thinking, What's this? Hmm, copper wire, eh? That means it's from Gold and he's signalling us out of the maze. Then the close-up for the next panel, he cries, Hey, Meadow Men, follow the wire at your feet. And in due time... They've all made it outside, and Mercury has been coiling up the gold copper wire as he's gone along, and he's saying, Gold, your genius is almost equal to mine. You let us out of that mirror madhouse. He's so unlikable. Iron's at the foreground of the panel, standing next to Gold, and he's saying, But still, we haven't found the lost princess. If we don't bring her back, we haven't fulfilled the king's last task. Gosh. And now at the top of page 24, in the first panel, doesn't have a caption or any dialogue, which is very unusual because I would almost expect it in the style of the story to sort of say, Platinum spots a, yes. a bottle, small perfume bottle on the ground. Because in panel two, she's picked up this small perfume bottle in extreme close-up and she says, Look! A perfume bottle. And suddenly they're standing in front of some really giant flowers. And this is hilarious. Tina says to the assembled group, Let's check in that garden of giant flowers. Follow me. And in panel four, we can see the metal men have made a little progress through the garden of giant flowers. And as they emerge into a bit of a clearing, Tina cries, Ah, the princess, I presume, and a sweetheart with her. And we see the princess, who has the same dark, scary eyes as the rest, and the same pink, pale skin, but she also has sort of long, strawberry blonde hair. And she's standing with an alien man who's completely bald, wearing shorts and the same sort of blue top that the other guys we've seen already. The princess, seeing Tina emerge from the flowers, says, Oh, they found us out! Mercury looms forward in the final panel of page 24, saying, You mean you've gotten lost here to be lost with your boyfriend? We're madly in love. We solved the riddle of the glass maze and used this grotto as our trysting place. You see, my father, the king, didn't want me to see my sweetheart, so this was the only way to do it. Top of page 25, Platinum in close-up helpfully recaps. You got lost on purpose. If only I could get lost here with Dark Magnus. But now we have to return you to the king, or else we won't get the life elixir cure for Doc. Shortly, back at the palace. Sure enough, they're back at the palace. The metal men are there. The princess is there. Tina's leaning over Doc's casket. The king's on his throne. Mercury says, Your daughter, sire. We finished all three tasks you demanded. Tina, leaning over Doc, says, Hurry! Give us the life elixir to revive Doc! And the king on the throne says, uh, uh, um. And on the right of the panel, we see Gold Stroke Copper standing with his hands <laughs> covering his ears, and he's thinking, I don't want to hear the anguish scream from Tina when the king answers. Over the page then, first panel of page 26, and in dynamic close-up, the king exclaims, Fools! I never had any life elixir. It was a trick to get you to perform the tasks. In a horrible panicked close-up, Tina exclaims, Oh no! No! Tin says, So that's what Gaul was trying to tell us all along. That means <gasps> the Doc will return to Earth the same way he came here. Dead! The caption for the next panel. As for Tina's tears, the combustible platinum girl's weeping brings a crisis. Yes, because Mercury tells us what Tina is crying when he says, Look out! Tina's weeping liquid fire! Stamp out the flames! Yes, there are flames falling from her eyes and down in front of her. Iron says, Why? We should let the palace burn down. And Led says, But we don't want Doc's body burned. 
Top of page 27, crying Tina, with a perfume bottle in her hand, is leaning down over Doc's body and she's saying, oh, I, I thought when we found the princess and finished the third task that we could bring you back to life, darling Doc, but, but now you'll stay dead. We notice also that one of the little flame tears falls onto the perfume bottle. Some of the perfume is starting to emanate out from it. Obviously it burned a hole in the lid so the perfume is drifting. Gold gets a close-up in panel 2 of page 27 and he thinks, Hmm, some chemical reaction occurred when a liquid fire teardrop from Tina struck the perfume bottle. Strange fumes are rising from the bottle. Tina leans down to Doc's face and she's saying, One farewell kiss on your cold lips, Doc. Then goodbye, forever. Capture for panel 4. But suddenly... And Doc sits bang upright in his casket, saying, Um, um, Tina, are you up to your old tricks again? see the perfume drifting in front of his nose. Tina looks surprised and says, Doc, you set up! You spoke! The final panel, Iron has turned to the king and is saying, You tricked us, but Doc's alive again anyway. We hold no grudge against you. We forgive you. And the king reacts, saying, Ah, oh, I'm sorry for the way I acted. <laughs> well, I'm surprised by that little narrative twist. <laughs> Top of page 28 then, Mercury scratches the back of his head and says, Doc's alive, but what did it? And Nameless says, You know the fairy tale of Prince Charming and the Sleeping Beauty? Well, it happened in reverse. Tina's loving kiss brought her sleeping Prince Charming to life. And in the foreground of the panel, Gold, holding the perfume bottle with his hand up to his face, like he's addressing the audience in a casual, confidential aside, thinks, Well, why not let it go at that? But I know that it was a chemical reaction that revived Doc. Caption for panel 2 of page 28 <laughs> says, A joyous band of robots returns through the dimension doorway. Yep, and we see Doc and the others running back through the little dimensional tunnel, the little purple dimensional tunnel. And Doc is saying, You mean I was dead for a while? And you all brought me to this other dimension to revive me? And Tina says, Yes, you're returning to the Earth dimension now, Doc, on your own feet. Back at the lab, the metal men all return to normal. Yep, we see that Mercury is now red again, and he's saying, Well, you all have to admit, I was a great leader, and... Huh? Gold and Doc are laughing along as Ion says, Cut the Bragville stuff, Mercury. Gold could speak now, but he doesn't have to. He's giving you the thumb to go back to the end of the line, see? Yep, but it's very badly coloured, page 28, because the thumbs up that Gold is giving has actually been coloured in the same way that Iron is coloured, so it looks like it's Iron that's giving the thumb. That's shocking. Mm, yep. Shoddy. We arrive at the top of page 29, and we see Gold sniffing, taking the air, and he says... <laughs> Tina? Tina's holding up the perfume bottle. She obviously brought it with her, and she's saying... That princess gave me an idea, Gold. I never thought of trying perfume before on Dark. Maybe it'll turn his thoughts to moonlight and romance. And in the final panel of the story, we see Doc, looking very much like Ray Palmer, it must be said, yes. grabbing his nose and saying, Good grief! Open all the windows and turn the air conditioning system on high! Get that awful odour out of here! And Tina, with the perfume drifting up from her, looks very regretful and unhappy and says, Nothing works. My hopes are as dead as Doc was before! The, the end. end. Page 29. Gosh. I'm throwing it down. Gosh, <laughs> well, we got there, Peter. Indeed. <laughs> that was an interesting diversion. It certainly was. 
It's weird that the only Metal Men story we're doing is one where they're all kind of like out of character and have got different abilities. And is it completely <laughs> unrepresentative of the normal Metal Men story? The ideas are the same. The idea of them all using their individual abilities, but usually it's abilities steeped in what they can actually do yes. or the properties of the, uh-huh. of the metals. Yeah, well, but, you know, Copper Stroke Gold did turn on myself into the wire, yeah, I suppose. Uh-huh. But it's, they're not really doing what they would normally do in mm-hmm. their own normal senses, yeah. I suppose that's just the effects of this other dimension. Yes, I found it interesting, the king's priorities, that rescuing his daughter was the last thing Yes, uh, he wanted them to do. Yes, he wanted some bricks. <laughs> of course. Of first course. of all, and he, and he wanted that big scary monster dealt with. Well, wouldn't you? Yeah, of course yeah. I would. Makes perfect sense. What was that monster doing anyway? Was it terrorising the countryside? We don't know. No idea. Didn't Autobinder didn't think enough to tell us. I thought the city looked very much like the Dalek city from Doctor Who and the Daleks. Yes. <laughs> the Peter Cushing yes. version. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Uh-huh. I would agree. Strong agree. I, I think I vaguely thought that it had that sort of feel to it. You know, mm-hmm. you could have expected the TARDIS to sort of pop up outside. Yeah, very much so. I don't have too much to say on it. It was fun. It took us ages to get through it, but I think it was yeah. probably it was a good sort of fun story. Yeah, the, Gil Kane's art was great in it. But of the stories we've covered, we've mm. covered quite a few ones that he's done, but we haven't done anything that's been like this. Yeah, very surprised to actually see him on Metal. I mean, I didn't really know mm-hmm. that he'd worked on it at all. Yeah, it's, as I said, it's mostly Andrew and Esposito in the, yeah. in the early stories, but they did branch out. Right. Later on in the run, there's some, I think there's some Keith Giffen, I think, and there's a great Walt Simonson run as well, Yes, which is fantastic. Yeah, I'm familiar with some of the covers of the Simonson run. They look very Walt Simonson. Yes, they do. They're and great. It's, and it's because I normally associate Walt Simonson really with Thor, and I suppose mm-hmm. to an extent X Factor, so it's kind of weird to even think of him drawing something like the Metal Men. You, you don't really think of Simonson as being a sort of clinical artist that yeah. drawing robots. But in that period as well, they had lots of guest stars. He had uh, Eclipso turn up and stuff like That's that. Right, that. So, yeah, yeah huh? he, covers. it kind of really mixed up in the, in the Bronze Age mm-hmm. uh, Metal Men stories, mm-hmm. so yeah. As I said, this is pretty much the only foray I think we'll have for the, of the Metal Men in their own title. This is the only kind of one that fits a remit. And even then, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch because it's not really a parallel earth, but they do talk about parallel worlds and other dimensions. Right so, on panel know, one, yeah. Yep, so, so it does fit into our criteria. Mm-hmm. They will pop up, obviously, in Christ and Infinite Earth. We'll mm-hmm. see them then. Some of them might even get some lines, I'm sure. And they'll be in Showcase 100 when we cover that as well. Ah, really? Cool, yes. good. So that'll be exciting. That's Looking fine. forward to that. Yes, that's going to be exhausting. We'll have to oh, assemble a cast of thousands for that one, I think. <laughs> So we'll move on now to Metal Scraps, the letter column in, in issue 33 of Metal Men. Why isn't it called Metal Mail? You would think. You I would. would. Think. Maybe well. that's what we'll call the letters page when we do our DC comic. <laughs> <laughs> There's mostly general letters in this about Metal Men, but there are a couple that are relevant to this issue, so here's the first one. Dear Editor, Metal Men number 30 is undoubtedly the best issue since number 16. Mm, interesting. The new artwork is great. Tina has stopped looking so much like Wonder Woman and that shading was just too terrific for words. Terrors of the Forbidden Dimension was based on an idea that I had seldom, if ever, seen employed. Mm. The whole thing was great. It's hard to criticise when you give us readers a tremendous story like this. The idea of changing the properties of the different metals was truly original. I only hope that when they get back to Earth, they will be handled as well. And that's from Stephen Carlberg, Nakoma Park, Oklahoma. That's quite fun. The editorial response is... Thanks for the kind words, although I resent that crack regarding Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's weird kind of drawing as a sexy female robot, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, and I suppose Ross Andrew obviously was the main artist, and he was obviously the main artist in Wonder Woman for quite some time, Mm -hmm. so probably has similar body types he was using. We'll be doing another Wonder Woman story 
very soon, listeners, if you're wondering. And we had a little spate over a while ago, but should be back again soon. <laughs> so Peter's going to give us some highlights from one of the other letters now. So the next letter says, Dear Editor, I have been a fan of the Metal Men since their origin back to early 1966. Then I gave up on them and sold all my old dishes. Why? Like Guy Lilliam said, so it's a previous letter writer, they were no longer individuals anymore. And worst of all, they didn't act like metals. How do metals act? They weren't acting like metals. Were they acting like rocks? Were they acting like liquids? Who knows? Who can say? I remember in their second showcase, Iron Assisted Gold. Now they act like they both have B.O. or bad breath or something because <laughs> they don't go near each other anymore. The same with lead and iron. Iron used to form lead into the required shapes because lead was too stiff and hard to form himself. Now he acts like he thinks he's Plastic Man. The letter writer then goes on to talk about some points from the actual issue. He mentions, In reading thoughts, robots can't think. And the closest thing the metal men come to is computation. And they don't do that so good anymore. Of course, and they did establish it was telepathic communication yes. when they reached the city. He's got a point there. I mean, it's they don't have organic brains. Well, could it just be another side effect of this other dimension? Could be. Could be. Know. It's, it's obviously, you know, the, the properties of their are unique to them, are all altered. It's fit you, but you're right. It's, he's right. It's, 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 it's an odd, inconsistent sort of ability that they now suddenly have. Yeah, yeah. weird. He's obviously not happy. He's saying, Lately, the metal men have been doing stuff that even the inferior five could handle. Blimey. In effect, stuff that one can do even without metal abilities. Number 30 was better, as was 29, but the metal men have lost all that originality. Gosh. Why not use some new metals like aluminium, titanium, radium, carbon, calcium, or bronze? Well, that's how stuff like the gas gang got created. Yes, I suppose, <laughs> so, yeah. Or sapphire, silver, and steel. Yes. <laughs> to hammer that joke to death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's just some excerpts from the letter here from Early Gafford from New Milford, Connecticut. Blimey. Obviously quite happy to write into the comic, but obviously not happy with what's in it. Yes. So there we are. Still dishing out as 12 cents every mm. month. Also, I mean, that I, I did enjoy that, really. It, was, it mm-hmm. was a good fun story. It felt a little long-winded in places, but it was interesting that the further we went on, the panels got bigger and yeah. the number of panels per page got fewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> It was quite fun. It's a shame it's not hugely representative of the Metal Men, but I did enjoy the mad science aspect of Will Magnus just casually, here I've built a dimensional monitor yes. and a way to travel to other dimensions. Yes. Presumably, then, he doesn't really return to or use again. Nope, doesn't rock up anywhere again that I've, that I've come across, no. Thinking about it, it's actually quite similar, I suppose, to, you know, I'm thinking more about the DC comic that you and I are going to write here. Mm. What if he accidentally witnessed the creation of the entire universe? What if he saw the hand looming Gosh. out of the, you know, it's a bit similar Gosh. to, what was his name, Cronus? Cronus. Little device. That he made up from yeah. Yeah, Radio Shack. Yeah. Yep. Is Will Magnus the Earth One equivalent of Cronus? Gosh. Doodaloo. Doodaloo. <laughs> no, that was really interesting because I suppose that could have set them off in all sorts of dimensional adventures yeah. if, they'd, if they'd thought about it. They could have been, we could mm. have ended up doing eight different issues of Metal Men as opposed to just this one. So it's a bit of a shame, I suppose. It's a bit like that Challengers issue that we did with Dimension Man. Uh, yeah. Where they had to set up so much stuff in there and then Aye. Ed Hearn passed away and nothing was really paid off on yeah. it. But there was so much stuff that was set up that they could really have run with. Uh-huh. It's just sad uh-huh. in all counts. Yeah, uh, pretty much, yeah. It never really went anywhere. But there we are. I suppose, yeah. I'm definitely a little more inclined to do some more Metal Men reading, I think, after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a good thing. Good. I'm glad we've converted you. Yes. <laughs> maybe I could create my own metal man and call him Steel or something. Or maybe I could form a... Yeah. Build up someone called Carbon and get him and 
iron to form a nice handy alloy. That would be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? Perfect. Yes. Perfect. If you want to get in touch with us and tell us what you think about the Metal Men, you can email us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. There'll be lots of great stuff going up on the socials mm-hmm. for this, so make sure you follow us there. There's lots of great Gilkane artwork in this. Mm-hmm. And we'll put up some lovely other bonus material. Yep. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Earth 2 Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth 2. So on that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. And we will see you next time on The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. Yes, it says, Flash Bulletin. Doc Magnus dies before the... Terrors of the Fourth Dimension. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, um, there's some helpful CBC dialogue, but I'll tell you what happens first of all. Tim is... Tim. Tim, the Enchanter.